Monica. And I'm K Squared. Welcome to another special episode of Go Go Gaio, where today we talk about why fan fiction is better than you think. Also known as why you should be reading and writing more fan fiction. So today, and by today I mean the same day as the last one, mm-hmm. today we will be talking about something very controversial. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's maybe, one, maybe. one way to introduce it. Maybe. The, the conclusion of this controversial topic will be mind-blowing. My, I know my mind is blown. Okay. Maybe my mind doesn't <laughs> exist currently anymore. Because my mind was blown just a few minutes ago. So we're talking about, I guess fan fiction is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But a better way of saying it is like fan service in K-pop. Gay fetishization maybe. Yeah, a maybe. little bit. A little bit. Some people think it's gay fetishization. A lot of... Uh, okay, okay, there's been a lot of hesitation. I know I've hesitated about talking about fanfiction openly, like, on this podcast, just, like, in general, like, around K-pop fans, because it's such a, like, hush-hush thing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, if you tell people that you're into fanfiction, they automatically think you're, like, extra stupid. Or, or you're kind of just, like, you immediately fetishize everyone you look at, and you're yeah. toxic, and, and sort of, like, those negative stereotypes. Sexualization, assuming someone's sexuality, yeah. stuff like that. And there's also all these, like, you know, shipping is, it causes a lot of angst, I feel, mm-hmm. in, like, the fandoms and stuff. So, um, we are here, we were just having a conversation, and we're trying to sort of reconcile fan service and, like, how idols themselves sort of, like, encourage the shipping, and just, like, queer concepts, queer Mm -hmm. content in the K-pop industry, that next to, uh, the LGBTQ movement in Korea and maybe around the world. Um, and like how queer fans respond to like this fan service and this fan fiction versus like straight people and like how that's that can be sometimes like sweeping like LGBTQ rights mm-hmm. and like visibility under the rug. And K squared had so many things <laughs> to offer. So many things because I feel like Okay, I mean, I'll just say that I read a lot of fanfiction. My personal relationship with fanfiction has been, like, it's something that's very, very close to my heart. Um, When I first got into BTS and started reading fanfiction, it led to me coming out as a queer person. And it's one of the things that makes me, like, so happy and brings, like, so much joy into my life. And that coupled with now I like write fanfiction and I like produce a lot of this fanfiction like gay content and I was speaking earlier about how I'm just talking a lot I'm so sorry no you're fine <laughs> you will you'll be speaking soon I, I will be here. I'm, just, I'm enjoying the ride with everyone else I will be here in a minute yeah but like even as I've like sort of accepted that part of myself I feel like I've carried a lot of shame about fan surrounding fanfiction and just been like you know, like, this is kind of a frivolous, like, hobby, and this was kind of like a, 
I'm coming out and like accepting my sexuality at the cost of sort of sexualizing idols and like maybe building these stories on idols that didn't really consent to like having these stories built on them kind of which is sort of the rhetoric that is sometimes perpetuated in the fandom and like outside the fandom in general despite the fact that the idols themselves are like fine and they're like essentially making money off of it and they do a lot of fan service and so maybe you can because you have a lot of well there's a lot to be said about fan service i feel first of all because yeah. you educated me on fan service today i did so just to kind of clue <clears throat> everyone in i have been a k-pop fan since about 2009 so i've been in this for quite some time and there's a huge huge difference between fan service back during second gen in fan service today. And so I did a little bit of an education earlier um, where we actually reviewed some of the fan service that used to go on with some of the first groups that I got into. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to give a few examples, yes. um, there is a Korean SNL and Block B, aware of this fan fiction and of shipping, actually did act out an entire skit where at one point two of the members did share a kiss uh, because they were in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like one example. And then some more fan service was Heechul of Super Junior kissing two of his members on stage at a concert. Um, that was another huge one as well. And then anyone who's followed Shiny knows that Shiny has always played this up. They're always just so out there. Yeah. But they've definitely like hard concepts, handcuffs on one wrist you know, grabbing hair and just, like, rubbing their hand down, like, each other's torsos and, like, really getting into it. So this was, like, the fan service that I was just, like, this is what what happened when I first got into K-pop. Yeah. Which is very jarring, even mm-hmm. when you compare it to things that happen today. But that was the stuff that they had because during that time, it was actually the rise of industries being, like, hmm, fans really like this stuff. And they would actually tell their artists to go and do these things on stage to not only have skinship but to go out of the way to like kiss each other and like being very upfront about it with the fan service to an uncomfortable degree Mm -hmm. you know and it's even some of the idols themselves i can't remember any off the top of my head but you could see that they were physically uncomfortable with some of these things and i would be too honestly if they're just like all right now you're gonna just like give a giant kiss to your best friend who you work with and live with every single day yeah i'm just like mm. super normal yeah sure i just kiss the homies good night yeah <laughs> <Ugh>. yeah <laughs> but yeah so we had a little bit of an education with that mm-hmm. and i will argue that fan service today is a lot better in that it is more coded just because like it is you know holding hands in public or whispering to each other when you're in public because it still gives fans the ability to read into the into it and get inspired by it and create like fan fiction or ships from it Mm -hmm. um because like me personally i got into k-pop because i was struggling with my own identity yeah where i didn't see myself in western media and i was googling some things about myself and i stumbled upon (laughs) you're googling about yourself (laughs) yeah amazing and i stumbled upon a youtube recommendation to g dragon's heartbreaker Mm. and that's what got me into it because he especially challenges a lot of these ideas of like you know what a man is and they played with those relationships as well where he was very active and vocal with his shipping and whatnot and the fan service that they gave out. But honestly, 
K-pop, kind of like with fanfic in a sense, was like, I was kind of ashamed to like it. And even to this mm-hmm. day, just because I do connect it with my queer identity. Yeah. Um, but then also people try to belittle it as well. It's like, oh, you just are sexualizing them because of they see like the jarring fan service or they think of the fan fiction. And I'm sitting here like, no. <laughs> like it gave me an outlet that I could actually see myself in. Yeah. And, and explore that identity. And so I like the fan service nowadays because it's more realistic. Mm-hmm. The idols seem more comfortable. But I also see myself more in it because any interactions I personally had have been the same way. Yeah. Sort of understated. Yeah. More open to interpretation. Exactly. And a little bit more organic and natural. But I will say, like, outside of the fan service, there are things about K-pop as an art form that Mm -hmm. lend itself more to, like, queer culture. Yeah. Which is... I think a lot of the reason why so many K-pop fans tend to be queer, mm-hmm. and I think it's always been like kind of a confusing thing for me to say out loud because it's I don't know people like well straight straight people <laughs> tend to like be offended by that mm-hmm. or like take it out of context and whatever represent representation that I see in K-pop is so interesting because it does tend to lean into like the androgynous mm-hmm. gender fluidity crop tops etc <laughs> mm-hmm. pretty openly while also not addressing the fact that it's kind of like you know like oh yes we're being gender fluid right now kind mm-hmm. of and like viewing it in a positive way so it, i mean i'll touch on it a little bit with gender performance in that <clears throat> to me k-pop has always been gender play just like drag yeah. Because they established, especially in second gen, when you had, like, the beastal, like, the beast idol, like, the very toxic, masculine, mm-hmm. like, ten abs, like, washboard, and, mm-hmm. like, very arrogant, stuff like that. And then you had, like, the hyper-feminization uh, of girl groups who are, like, cutesy and very just, like, feminine, and they smiled and giggled and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And so they created these binary-gendered lines, mm-hmm. really, with these two concepts, And then because they did that, they now have the ability to destroy the binary through the flower boy archetype, through these androgynous concepts. Yeah. I mean, Amber Lou and FX completely blew my mind because I've always had this relationship with girl groups when I first got into it where I didn't like it because they were very hyper feminine, Mm -hmm. which I didn't identify with. Yeah. And I'm getting into them now, don't get me wrong, but like when I first did, I couldn't. And so when I found FX... And I saw Amber Lou in, like, basketball shorts and a basketball tee and, like, hair was short and cap and everything. I was like, I can do that? And they were able to get that shock value from me because they established this mm. gender binary. Yeah. So they can play with that gender now. Yeah, I do wonder... I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, and we're going to move We will come back. We'll come back. But I do wonder sometimes about... I'm constantly trying to think critically about girl groups because I have such a hard time getting into girl groups uh, because I also do not identify as, like, super happy and bubbly Mm -hmm. and um, feminine, I guess. But, yeah, I do wonder if the portrayal of the femininity is, to an extent, like, unattainable. Which mm. is why, like, it's hard for, like, maybe women, Western women to, like, connect. I know that's not true because I know there are, like, hundreds of thousands of Western women that connect with 
girl groups. Oh, for sure. But um, sometimes I do feel like there's like a, a higher level of perfection in girl groups than there is in boy groups. But certainly when they have like these ideas of gender is um, unfortunately you end up thinking about sexuality unintentionally yeah. or intentionally whenever you talk about these, this gender binary. And so anytime you see these flower boys, so to speak, who have risen in K-pop or idols who dress more androgynous, mm -hmm. people immediately assume their sexuality and assign it for um, better or for worse. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know I've seen Amber Liu on many, many occasions, Heechul from Super Junior as well, and Taemin especially mm -hmm. from debut with Shiny until now, just getting frustrated over and over again of interviewers asking them, oh, so are you gay? Like, mm. just because of the way they present themselves. Yeah. You know, and they've all said that they're heterosexual. We will respect that because we will respect any way someone self-identifies in this yeah. house. But certainly, as a queer fan, when I see their performance on stage, it does feel very validating, though. Where mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm allowed to do that. I'm allowed to be who I am. And I'm allowed to like who I like. Yeah just because of the way that they portray themselves on stage. Yeah, so like separate sort of divorced from sexuality itself, mm -hmm. it's very much not addressing, but like sort of breaking down like the gender roles or like gender stereotypes in the performance context and just being like, I'm Taemin, mm -hmm. you know? I had referenced an interview that BTS recently did where RM was basically like, yeah, we're, like, breaking down the stereotypes for masculinity, but in the end, what we want to be seen is as cool. Mm -hmm. We just want to be, you know, it, there's no, like, gender to cool, kind mm -hmm. of, which is similar. Yeah, same thing as, like, Taemin, when, when no matter what he's wearing, maybe it, it is, like, a sports bra panty type thing, but he's still, like, he looks great, yeah. you know? And there's no gender to looking great. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, like... To some degree, it's great to have this shipping and to have this gender expression because a lot of queer fans can read into it. But then you also have to think of like, well, the companies have a lot of say in this. Mm -hmm. And so they're the ones who are pushing the idols to do this. You have stylists. And certainly a lot of these like older idols have more say in what they get to do creatively, for yep. sure. But there's so many other groups who don't have that voice. And so mm -hmm. they're just doing as they're told. Yeah. But the industry knows that there is this fan culture and that these fans are there and they have the money to spend and they're really capitalizing on it. Yeah. And that can be very toxic, especially considering that within Korean society, the LGBT community is there. They're just not out. And so what you get is a lot of stereotypes, honestly, at the end of the day. And even from a Western perspective, there is a cultural layer because there is that history of emasculating Asian men mm -hmm. and then thinking that they're gay. You yeah. know, even like locals who I've, you know, mentioned like, oh, I like K-pop or they'll see it and they'll be like, oh, they look like girls. Are they yeah. gay? Mm -hmm. And you're just sitting there like, no, buddy. <laughs> like, why are you saying that? Like, there's no set way to do things or a set way to be someone. Yeah. And so it can get very dangerous because in any context you are playing on that stereotype because there is no real representation but then like at the same time this is the representation this is the queer representation within k-pop because people can't come out in korean yeah. society they can't be visible because there's no protections and mm -hmm. yet yet um, yeah 
it definitely becomes like a secretive almost like mm-hmm. representation of like queer content while there are actually like groups of people that are like fighting for rights and like trying to like do the same thing mm-hmm. but like for some reason these k-pop idols since they're straight have the license to like do all of these like sort of queer presenting things mm-hmm. but like when queer people are doing it they're not allowed kind of and that that produces a lot of fury in me and leads mm-hmm. to a lot of shame i think um when i'm appreciating the like content that k-pop offers because i'm just like you know in the end if they're not like going to outwardly champion lgbtq rights it's frustrating to see that this is how i have to get my representation mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like empower it is empowering because you're like ultimately i'm starved for content you know and mm-hmm. i need to see myself in the media somehow and this seems to be the only way that i can do it mm-hmm. so i'm going to enjoy it I mean, I'm the same way where it's like, like I said before, Western content wasn't giving me what I needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the villain. Yeah. But with K-pop, I, all of a sudden I was like, I could be cool. I could be like, love. Be tame I could be tame <laughs> I aspire to be tame um, <laughs> we, we all should. <laughs> we all should, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you there. It's like, I, I, it is frustrating that I have to still like code it myself, but there's more there than there would be in Western media. Yeah. Exactly. Which is why we Mm -hmm. do drift towards K-pop, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's it's difficult to, like, sort of be upfront about that. But Mm -hmm. now, you have read a book. Oh, I've read a very interesting book. Yes. Um, Oh boy, is it interesting. So the title is what first got me. Uh, So everyone, honestly, everyone needs to check it out. It is an academic text by um, a professor, Jung Min Kwan who does fandom studies and film studies. And this wonderful book is entitled Straight Korean Female Fans and Their Gay Fantasies. Oh, yep. Oh, Um, yes. This is a very real thing. uh, Mm -hmm. And it is actually really good. But it does dive into more of, like, why do we have the fan service that we do? What has caused this transition within the industry? And it was interesting what she was talking about, because she herself identifies as a straight cisgender woman. Mm -hmm. And what sparked this book was that she did have a gay friend who nonchalantly came out, you know, to her one day. Mm. And that's when she began questioning her love of shipping and fan fiction and BL. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because she was really into that back when it was like Shinwa and HOT and all the like newer groups like TVXQ at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of led her on to this journey where she goes, well, what is this relationship between straight Korean fans and these ships and the LGBT community within Korea? And so what she talks about in this book is mainly the demographic of the female fan. In that Korean women have increasingly um, gotten more and more power and they're also rejecting kind of like the discrimination that they face mm-hmm. in that their opportunities are very narrowed to be a wife and a mother pretty much. But then they're also told to go to college. So then they're getting educated and they're like, well, if I get married, I'm going to have to quit my job and quit what I'm doing when I just want to like work for me and spend my own money. Yeah. But so, then if you're working, then accused of being selfish and Mm -hmm. exactly and just sort of the general sexism that goes with that of like if you're uh educated and single you're discriminated against if you're married and have kids you're still like 
you know, face sexism that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, a lose-lose kind of situation with that demographic. But they ultimately have been gaining more buying power, more economic power. It's not the best, but it's growing. Yeah. But a lot of the content that they get into is within the K-pop industry, within shipping because of the fan service and the industry, because also within the society, and I can relate to this from a conservative background yeah. where I was raised, is that female sexuality is very much repressed. Yeah. And so the reason why they buy into the fan service and this industry is because it is a way of them expressing their sexuality through fan fiction. Yeah. Where they can, you know, explore their tastes and their dislikes when it comes to these idols and they can fantasize about these things. Um, That they're normally not allowed to fantasize about the way other, like, straight men are allowed to fantasize about you know same-sex women relationships or that sort of thing as well or even just in general with the male gaze Mm -hmm. and so fan fiction essentially is just another realm of the female gaze that women just had to create themselves taking back their power type vibe yeah but then of course on top of that too because of the sexism and their fanship their women are yet again like belittled being like oh them and them k-pop girls like you girls and they they kind of like downplay it yeah but what they're missing is the real economic power that these women have buying into the industry because they're the ones influencing the industry yeah they're the ones who created this flower board archetype that they bought into which then the industry saw and was like all right we need to buy into this and all of a sudden they're like more androgynous looks more fan service yeah we're gonna play into these fantasies and a lot of it was encouraged too with fanfic contests even though it wasn't explicitly gay fan fiction they were allowing still let fan fiction existed and they knew of the ships Mm -hmm. and in fact idols on various tv shows actually acknowledged fanfic in their ships on tv shows Mm -hmm. and so it was because of these women that we have the rise of like we have tame in now and we have a lot of fourth gen groups who are androgynous in their looks, and they mm-hmm. play with gender more. Mm-hmm. And so she dives into that, and then also interviewed a few, the few gay interviewees that she could get. Yeah. And kind of talked Actually, about Actually, wait, okay. before you go on, I just want to appreciate the fact that she starts this book just explaining the demographic mm-hmm. of people that are into this type of literature or this type of like content which is like gay fan fiction or like gay fan service mm-hmm. and like understanding how this demographic is oppressed and like where they're coming from when they're like consuming this content mm-hmm. i think that's super interesting but yeah so like moving mm-hmm. on from the straight women um then we're moving more into like the gay interviewees that they had and kind of their reaction to this kind of content and it was fascinating and sad at the same time And that the major problem is that within Korean society, you aren't necessarily out. Like, you Mm -hmm. cannot afford to be out. Mm -hmm. There aren't any laws protecting them. It's very dangerous. There's still a lot of discrimination. And so they kind of have to take what they get. And they're just like, um, they talked about appreciating and actually liking that representation within media within film and even the fan service especially yeah because they're like okay it makes it easier for us to code it ourselves and kind of buy into it more but at the same time they too talk about because of the lack of real life gay visibility that the industry still plays into a lot of stereotypes Mm -hmm. and so they kind of like seeing how heterosexuals view them 
but they also hate how they do play into the flower boy stereotype where everyone is kind of like more of an androgynous body, long hair, makeup, more quote unquote feminine qualities. Yeah. When one interviewee was like, I am tan skin with pimples and I work on a ship. Like, and yeah. so they kind of talk about that and they think of like, well, if we are visible, it's going to be tough, but then we can educate the industry more and, and get yeah. like better representation, mm-hmm. which thankfully these female fans and fanfic writers, especially, which you can touch on a bit more with that. Mm-hmm. They end up researching the LGBT community. Yeah. Getting into these ships. For sure. Because they're thinking like, okay, I told these stories, but like, I want to tell stories with more quality to them. Yeah. So they actually research the community and want to educate people about the LGBT community and talk about how like, we need more diverse representation and not everyone's a flower boy. Mm -hmm. Um, And moving from there. Yeah, so much fan fiction that I've read is about... Maybe not necessarily like the state of the LGBTQ community in Korea... Well, in addition to that, uh, like, you know, just educating people on, like, anal sex, for example, Mm -hmm. and, like, how gay sex works, stuff like that, and just, like, queer, like, people. And AIDS education was another one I saw, and sort of the coming out process, and then uh, daily discrimination of microaggressions. Totally. All of these things that even as, like, a baby gay needed to like know about and understand and couldn't have gotten from anywhere else unfortunately and so i feel like that is definitely a thing unfortunately the listeners don't have the full shock value of like me (laughs) getting my mind blown but yeah i'm just like so thrown off by this particular viewpoint or like lens for fan fiction itself because i as a queer person, I'm just like, oh, only queer people can <laughs> consume fan fiction or, like, are here to consume fan service, which is very much not true, mm-hmm. especially in Korea. Like, there are a lot of straight people who are, like, viewing this type of content. And in that sense, it's very much, to an extent, destigmatizing, like, a lot of queer things. Yeah. Actions, sentiments, whatever you want to call it. And that's, like, a really... It's like a positive way that I wasn't able to view fan service or fan fiction. And it really changes like the way that I view it and maybe even eliminates the shame that I carry surrounding like this type of stuff because it does like when I hear low key, whenever I hear like Jin calling Namjoon his first name, like my heart stops and I'm just like, oh, do it again. <laughs> um, you know, and it's not even that big of a deal. But it's just, like, I see myself sort of in that. Um, And it's nice to, like, be able to, like, think about those sorts of thoughts and, like, hear that I'm not the only one thinking about those thoughts, A. And, like, there are straight people who are, like, being able to accept these types of thoughts. And I think that's that's a pretty amazing and, like, inspiring way of viewing it. And in the end, like, harboring shame around fan fiction and like taking a like more queer interpretation is ultimately like a little bit like internalized homophobia to Mm -hmm. an extent or at least for me that's how I feel now that you have brought to light this particular perspective Mm -hmm. uh, because I do feel like there's all this like you know like people are just trying to like find excuses to like not be like thinking about a more universal representation or like gay erasure Mm -hmm. that's what the word is You know, like that type of thing where it's like, 
they can only be straight and it's not possible that they're gay, you know? Yeah. Type yeah. type of thing. Or, like, there's only two ways of viewing it. There's no fluidity or there's mm-hmm. no spectrum. There's no in-between. Stuff like that. Yeah. It's, like, such a such an interesting... This book changed my life and I haven't even mm-hmm. read it. <laughs> yeah, because I think, like, the main thesis, too, was it definitely what helped contribute to uh, your mind being blown a little bit. Yeah. Where um, Professor Kwan does argue that if women facing their own discriminations and educating themselves on the LGBT community and educating other people, if they kind of actually and actively like sought out the LGBT um, uh, community and the movement in Korea, if they join forces, they have even more power to actually have social change. Mm-hmm. Because step one, it seems like, is that they need that visibility and that representation, but they need accurate representation. Yeah. Because it'll help the general populace learn more and normalize gay people um, and LGBT people within South Korea. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they can start putting these rights on the docket, start pushing for more anti-discrimination laws. Yeah, um, but clearly, like you, you got to go hand in hand. So, like you got to reach out to one another and join forces. But there is huge potential for actual social change mm-hmm. between essentially these fanfic writers and the entire political movement. Totally, yeah. And you were talking earlier about how when you put out art, there are like mm-hmm. so many different interpretations that you can take, and like viewing specific interpretations as negative and certain interpretations as positive is like well not productive but also like very much not in alignment with the intention of the artists themselves Mm -hmm. because they put out their art so that people can interpret it and i feel that way about my art whenever i put art out and it's like these I'm paraphrasing what you said, so I don't want, I'm not taking the credit for these words, I just want you to know. But very much like when these artists put things out and then fanfic writers take, sort of receive them in an like inspired way and then like create their own art out of it, it's equally beautiful Mm -hmm. because they are also like moving people with their writing and they're like creating stories that, uh, you know, like give people representation it's like a new type of media and it's such a positive way of viewing it that i never was able to view it i thought when we decided to do this episode it was gonna be gay fetishization sucks (laughs) don't tell your idol what to do like you know but that's not where that's not where we're at right now i mean certainly there is and i will argue when i was um kind of showing and talking about the second gen fan service i very much dislike that fan service i will throw that out there the idols were uncomfortable i was uncomfortable no one liked it (laughs) yeah you know and it was too much because it was shock value and it didn't have any respect behind it and it didn't have any yeah it didn't have any respect behind it and it was few and far between because there were certainly exceptions i mean uh jong hoon from shiny huge lgbt activists like yeah um and so like totally support that and that's fine but that's few and far in between and I actually mentioned earlier in our conversation, and I mentioned here again, is that I think fan service these days is a lot better because it's a lot more respectful 
Yeah. It's um, the idols feel more comfortable with it because it's just basic skinship or whispering or whatever things you'd be comfortable doing with your friends really yeah and then i also believe that it's because this there's support to back it up mm-hmm. you know where you do have people who you know monster x in particular um i always think about them because they always have their speeches at concerts that i see all the time where they say no matter who you are who you love your mom baby and totally. we love you yeah monster x you know and and all of these groups and idols are very outspoken. So not only are they doing the fan service and they're enjoying it in some regard and the companies enjoy it because they're making money, mm-hmm. but they're also actively, you know, out as allies because no one can really come out right now, essentially. And no yeah. one should ever be forced to. That's a great way of viewing it. Carry on. Sorry. <laughs> That's all I really had to say. Um, and I think too, like, and I kind of want to bring up this point again or this question. Do you think the rise of K-pop as a global thing um, and then also like Asian Americans and Asian Australians, basically Westerners breaking into that scene, do those two influence this kind of like LGBT support that we now see backing up the fan service? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like... I can see a clear, like, thought process for a lot of agencies where they're, like, trying to get fans from, like, global fans from, like, Australia, England, whatever, the Western... Western world. And I can see that clear, like, thought process, but I feel like what they're not incorporating into, like, their one-track-I-need-to-make-money mind uh, is that the Western mindset is very much more open to like these different interpretations of like gender and not not necessarily different because it exists in Korea but more Mm -hmm. overt um and more like telling it like it is and like uh directly addressing things so like if I'm gonna see like an idol in a crop top I'm gonna be like queer king you know Mm -hmm. but like a part a fan in Korea might be less likely to do that Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's definitely like a sort of a miscalculation that they've done, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that our interpretations are going to be a lot more like literal, I guess. I, I mean, we're definitely going to read it being both queer and Westerners. We're going to read into it completely different than probably what the intention was. Yeah. Or like a straight woman from Korea would. Yeah. Which is super interesting because mm-hmm. we continue to give them more money yes <laughs> and like support them creating this content it's just mm-hmm. that there might be like a mismatch with intent mm-hmm. you know and that is something that confuses me a little bit and that's always been a question in my mind because i don't know how much intent they're going about gender fluidity and like a lot of this like mm-hmm. queer performance And that is something specifically that bothers me about the K-pop industry, and it's not going to ever stop me from consuming K-pop, but it's going to be something that I speak out about more. Okay. um, Because I want, because I know that my idols are aware of what what their fans are like, and I know that they know that we're queer, and so when we see something queer, we're gonna say, like, refer to it as that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like the agencies might not be as forward thinking i guess is a political way of saying it well no i I think i get what you're saying is there is that disconnect where the companies are more um have that capitalistic mindset where all they care about is that what 
Professor Kwan refers to as like capital appropriation, where they just want to take what fans are giving them and make more money off of it. Mm-hmm. And so they're caring about the numbers. But I think idols, these idols are human beings and they're artists. And when you're an artist, like you tend to be a little bit more open-minded. You're open-minded Absolutely. to explore new things. And so I definitely think that like the companies may have one intention, which is making money, but the idols have certainly shown these idols recently in third and fourth gen groups that like, mm-hmm. no, we're doing this because I want to express myself this way. And this yeah. is for our queer fans. Yeah. You know, so there is that kind of disconnect. That's yeah. kind of interesting that I didn't even think about. So you kind of brought that up. I feel like Jimin might be an example, but a lot of times the sort of like pushing specific gender performances on idols can sort of spark the eye opening of the idols and like make them sort of discover things inside themselves that they didn't know that they could like. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen that with Jimin because I feel like had he not sort of performed a lot of these like more androgynous concepts he would not have found the amazing human being that he is now i mean just look at his growth in confidence since debut with the very stereotypical masculine concept that was Mm -hmm. dying out during the time to today where he goes for more uh gender non-conforming and he's just like clothes don't have gender i do what i want and just his confidence yeah. You can just see it right there. Something awoken within him <laughs> during that time. And he's addressed it too. He's mm-hmm. been like, yeah, I don't like being super masculine. I prefer more feminine clothing, like softer looks. I like wearing pink. I like <laughs> wearing like softer colors and stuff. And we support you, King. Flowers. Yeah. He has said that he likes flowers. There's something to be said about the industry recognizing what we want and Mm -hmm. doing it um and then allowing their idols to like sort of find themselves and realize that maybe they're not like super something or or the other and like being somewhere in between on like the whole gender performance spectrum Mm -hmm. and i think that's really cool and there's progress in that Mm -hmm. that i think the western industry hasn't seen as much yeah, I have to agree with it because you still have, like, with a lot of Western artists, and don't get me wrong, I do enjoy Western music as well, just like the next person, but there is definitely a lot less freedom because in order to be successful, you need to be kind of like this cookie-cutter version. Yeah. And I think that just plays off of, like, Western standards of gender and sexuality anyways because whether or not we want to admit it, you still need to be a certain way where you're straight and you're cisgender in order to succeed and play into, like, what you look like. And I feel like with K-pop, with fan service, with androgyny, you know, there's more permission to explore these things because they... Honestly, it feels like it's treated more as an art form. Yeah. And in the West music isn't really viewed so much as an art and i think it's because with k-pop there's more of a visual aspect as well so people can kind of like register like oh music is art a bit more than in the western world but that's just me wow um that's a great take yeah and so like it again it's just giving us that permission to explore it and so like Mm. that's why the fans can read into it that's why we demand fan service in a sense not necessarily Mm. demand it but we would prefer it because it's allowing us to explore these areas of our identity and of our lives and learn a new way to express ourselves whether it be through music or dance or through clothes and how we express ourselves 
Yeah, I have th like seven things to say. First of all, those are excellent words, but yeah, that definitely goes back to like what RM said about how they're not they're not setting out to be like queer kings or anything. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to break down masculinity. They're just trying to like be human beings and like try to be viewed in the media and like be portrayed in the media as human beings rather than like these super sexy men mm -hmm. or like super masculine men or whatever. And that's like above everything. Kind of, you know, it just like surpasses it all, sort mm -hmm. of. It's just beyond. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I also think it's interesting that you said that K-pop is more artistic than Western. I just want to capitalize on that. I just want to let's all take a moment of silence <laughs> and just think about that statement for like several minutes because I hear so much like when I like talk to locals about K-pop, just the stereotype about like K-pop being this like the industry being this, like, machine and, mm -hmm. like, how it's, like, taken away, like, the art form altogether and, like, it's so systematic and all this stuff and we're literally having this conversation, <laughs> you know? And there's... It's not true at all. Like, mm -hmm. there's some really horrible companies like SM that t kind of do take away the humanity of their idols. Yeah. But then you've got, like, BTS and you have t Lee Tame. Well, I guess Taman is in SM. <laughs> Obviously, okay, in general, it's wrong. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, and yes, this is just my personal opinion. I think there's more of an artistry to it as well. But it's kind of like when people or locals, especially who aren't within it, um, there's certainly like the good sides, the pros and cons of the industry. I will openly admit that. I don't know everything about the topic, but I do recognize that there's some problematic areas that need improvement. But when locals do look at it and they think like, oh, it takes away all the artistry from it, do you watch a movie and think that like the producer isn't an artist or that the yeah. director isn't an artist or these actors aren't artists? Like it's a collaborative effort. So even mm -hmm. when they're the companies are involved, there's still a stylist who's involved. There's still someone making the decisions of like, let's go with this concept. Like everyone involved is an artist in one way or another, whether they're the performers on stage or the producers backstage, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I think like it's it is the way it is and you can't just view it as like this rigid thing that's just popping out um idols like an assembly line product yeah because that's not true every these idols at the end of the day are human beings and they're artists who have their own view their own take their own interpretation yeah so whether they're creating the music themselves which most of them are or if they're being handed a product they still have some say in interpreting the material themselves and, and they're the ones who do it. Exactly. Yeah. And actually creating this final performance. Yeah. yeah. It's just many parts of one machine. I think Jackson made a really insightful comment about this because somebody asked him about how he feels about, like, K-pop being a machine and, like, what the deal is. Mm -hmm. And his response was so good because he was just like, it's, it's just a really... It's a time when the idols just work really hard and become the best versions of them themselves so that they can portray art in in an extremely like insightful way in a like or like take on challenges mm -hmm. or just like be super flexible and like 
uh, versatile in order to portray different types of art. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really liked that because it's like... I was just going to say the industry is is helping to give the tools and the education in order for these artists to be successful and making the art uh, for whatever reason why, you know. And if part of that art happens to be queer-coded... I'm not going to complain as long as it's done in a respectful manner, you know? And I kind of do like, though, that these artists are being more vocal about their support behind the fan service, too. Like, yeah. I, I will keep repeating that because I just, I love that so much. And I needed that when I first got into K-pop mm-hmm. to all of a sudden have these idols exactly. who are able to express at least these opinions or their support of the community at minimum because that was non-existent back in the day. 100%. It's... Still non-existent in the West anyway. Yeah. Um, but I will say now that we've had this entire conversation, I think the conclusion is like, yes, a lot of this content is sort of like queer coded, mm-hmm. but I think it goes, it really goes beyond that. Because I think that the idols, what, however they are expressing love, however they're, like, performing whatever version of gender that they feel on any particular day is more true to themselves and more true to the art, and it just goes beyond, like, sexuality mm-hmm. or gender, and it's literally just art. Yeah. And I think that is, like, probably not what the takeaway from your book is, <laughs> but I think it's a, definitely a takeaway from this conversation. Like, there's so much validity in, like, whatever expressions of gender mm-hmm. that happen in K-pop, and there's so much validity in the fact that we, as queer people, like, see ourselves in that expression, mm-hmm. despite the fact that our idols might not be, like, openly queer or mm-hmm. might not be self-identified as queer. Yeah. I mean, and really, at the end of the day, I will be very upfront and honest, fan service is just fun. Like, when the idols are having fun at fan meetings, you know, when they're flirting with each other, like, everyone, I don't know if you do this too, but, like, I flirt with my friends for fun because, like, we just joke around or whatever. And it's just what they're doing, except, like, they can make some money from it. (laughs) And it's like, all right, cool. Like, it's fine. It's like, you're doing that, and now I see myself portrayed as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of enjoyable. Relatable. Yeah, as long as the idols are having fun and... We're having fun enjoying it. Like, there we go. I don't see an issue with it, really. To take it a step further, there's fan fiction, mm-hmm. and there's, like, all this an added layer of art in K-pop, and that's, like, adds positivity to, like, this sort of ecosystem that mm-hmm. K-pop has turned into. Yeah. I mean, like we said before, there are some flaws occasionally, both within you know, the fandom and within kind of the fan service. Yeah. But I know for me, I will take a more optimistic approach to it in that this is just art influencing art and with art comes social change. And so I do think totally. just from the change that I've witnessed from second gen when I first got into K-pop to now, I'm optimistic for the future that something can happen. There's so much potential for change within the community, both in South Korea and globally because of K-pop. And I just really hope the people who need to take advantage of that will take advantage of that. Yes. And see, like, not feel shame in seeing themselves in this type of content. Not feel shame in just calling it like it is. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope with all of this, as 
both Korean and global fans are pushing for this kind of content and pushing for this kind of fan service and androgynous style, I truly hope that with it can be some more support in, you know, supporting openly queer artists because these artists do exist. Yeah. Holland is a big one. I love him so much. He has always, from day one, been an out and open gay artist. Mm-hmm. Um, his debut music video, he made out with a guy. I think his second music yeah, video, he made that. out with another one. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, he had some negative reactions, but he's fighting the good fight, working on another album right now. Yeah. So definitely support him. Uh, Nom or N O M, short for Nature of Men. They're oh, amazing. <laughs> They are another, they are a gay uh, trio. They've actually performed in a lot of gay clubs in Korea, so please go support them as well. Sleek, S-L-E-E-Q, is an activist and an artist. You might know them from Good Girl. Um, They are a rapper, and so they are very outspoken about LGBT rights, specifically non-binary rights. And so just to name a few artists to start off with, I mean, there's certainly some more mainstream artists who are out and open, like Yoongi and BTS. Um, he's had song lyrics where he's talked about his sexuality and Jimin with his style. Any of these artists and allies, like, please, please go support them. And one last artist, too, is Marshall. He is a Korean-American who is breaking out into the Korean R&B scene as well, who is openly gay um, and very proud. And so let's go support these artists to hopefully tell the industry that we want more real authentic people represented this is an episode where there's definitely like a call to action Mm -hmm. i would say one of them is definitely like valuing the queer idols opinions more another is just opening up the conversation because i do have felt like a pressure to not talk about like the role of fan fiction and fan service in K-pop. I would love to see more conversations in a positive light surrounding fan service and like queer content and like queer interpretation in K-pop and sort of not, I would say, yeah, pressurizing our idols to like be more outspoken and like be aware that they're giving us this like representation or and by us, I mean the queer community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the call to actions. <laughs> so get on it. Start streaming. Call to actions. Start having these conversations. And uh, never feel ashamed for enjoying fan fiction in any way. Because it is just another form of art. Yeah. This has been... Go Go Gaio. Go Go Gaio. <laughs> <laughs>